Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Happy St. George's Day everybody, even to those of you who don't think of yourselves as English. And there are many people who would say you should be sorry about that. I'm not one of them, by the way. It's a beautiful day out there as we meander towards another weekend of fun and frolics. For some, anyway, uh, there's an awful lot of news to digest this morning. We're going to help you navigate the smorgasbord of information. First up, if Dominic Cummings, the former chief advisor to the Prime Minister, is really leaking private text messages from Boris Johnson's phone, isn't he guilty of some kind of breach of confidentiality? Or possibly even the Official Secrets Act? Is it all some kind of elaborate ruse to confuse everyone about the lobbying scandal? And above all else, does anyone care? I'm beginning to wonder if Dominic Cummings is leaking about himself leaking the Prime Minister's text messages just to make himself seem more important. Also, to throw everybody off the scent of the real story, which is the lobbying scandal. That all sounds very Dominic Cummings to me. We'll be asking Nick Dubois, uh, former uh, Tory MP, of course, about what's going on. Far more important, in my view, though, is the unrelenting march to climate action by this government, who were given no mandate to order us to not fly too much, not to eat too much meat, not to drive too much, and to make sure we never turn up the heating, ever. Dale Vince, vegan extraordinaire and founder of eco-energy company Ecotricity, will be here in another attempt to convince me that there is a climate crisis and that we therefore need to eat less meat and less fish and that we should all drive around in electric vehicles of one kind or another. 0344 499 It was been another big week for the race industry. We'll catch up with Dr. Rakiba San on why the Labour Party is still stoking up tensions and finding reasons to blame everything on racism. And Kevin O'Sullivan will be here as well with his take on the week and a look ahead to some big shows coming up this weekend. I might even ask him if he's booked a holiday yet. 0344 499 You can tell me if you have as well. We also need your help with something else. With the numbers of funerals still limited to 30 30. Hordes of families are still having to grieve in masks without many of their loved ones. And if you've attended a funeral in the last few weeks, please let us know how it went and how you managed it. We'll be talking to a funeral director to find out why the government can't change the rules. 0344 499 We've also got a special treat coming up later on. Lewis McLeod is here. He's coming into the studio to fill us with mirth. And it's the return of the Perrier Awards after a three-week absence in the company of Yorkshire's finest, Izzy Rowland. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course... Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Now, before we get stuck in uh, to the show uh, proper, uh, because Dale Vince will be here very shortly, coming in from uh, vegan land, west of London, somewhere near Gloucester and near Forest Green Rovers, I'm joined by Ricky Freelove, uh, Talk Radio's very own uh, man of the moment, because you've been tracking Extinction Rebellion, Ricky, and yesterday you were down at Canary Wharf where they were busy hammering and chiseling away at the glass. What have they been doing today? Well, this morning, Mike, they, they've uh, taken things to, to new levels. They went over to City of London, so we know that Canary Wharf is one of the, the major financial districts yes. in the UK. This time they went over to City of London to Lloyd's of London, oh, yes. the, the insurance firm. That's that funny building with all the pipes coming out the outside. That's right. It? it looks like they never finished it. Yeah. It looks like a construction site. If so. that had been my building, I'd have complained about it, to be honest. Absolutely. Well, then there's all the signs around there. Do not climb. Do not climb. It's, it's just, it looks like a jungle gym more right. than anything. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. So I, I heard word this morning, early doors, that they were back to their old tricks again. I thought this, this could be very interesting, yeah. what they're doing this time. Right. And if yesterday's act was criminal, 
Today's was criminally bad. Yes. If you're not watching it on YouTube, you should be. But if you can't see what we're looking at here, there appears to be a pile of rubble uh, somewhere in front of uh, uh, this building. That's right. So it's 7am this morning. Yeah. We, we think two or three members of Extinction Rebellion mm. turn up with a, a tipper truck, right. which I'm not sure is how environmentally friendly they are, but they right. turn up with a, a tipper truck. I hope they paid the congestion charge. I, I should hope so. Yeah. With the high-vis um, suits that, right. that you'd expect for highway maintenance people to be wearing and just dumped a load of fake coal. Fake coal? Fake coal. They couldn't do actual coal right. because obviously they'd be allergic to it, but yes. it's, it's fake coal, which they dumped in front of uh, Lloyds of London. Now, when I first heard this, mm. I, I thought two things. Now, that is a very busy area. There's a lot of construction going on. There's yep. a lot of these lorries all down the roads. I thought this was going to be massive. I thought two things. They've dumped it right in front in front of the doors yes. so, so no one could get You'd in. you think it would be like Bing size, wouldn't you? Absolutely enormous. Yeah. You'd assume they've blocked the entire entrance. No one can get into the building. Yeah. Or two, French farmer style. Right. They've blocked the entire road like they did in 2019 yeah. with the, the pink boat in Oxford Circus. Right. No, it's the most pathetic protest I've ever seen in my life. It, it looks about <laughs> 50 pieces of tarmac, right. like someone's just dug up their own driveway, stuck it in an electric vehicle and driven mm. to, to... Well, let's hope the vehicle was electric. Well, I should hope so. Well, but, I bet it wasn't, though. No, I, I don't I mean, think so. Well, I saw the vehicle that they, they did use, and mm. it's um, you know it's a normal if that's, tip of truck. If that's the highway maintenance uh, lorry I'm looking at now, that is a regular truck, which I presume is powered by fossil fuel. I would so, say Well yes. done, guys. And yeah. did any of you get arrested this time? I believe two people were arrested this Good. morning. We'd have a bit more confirmation on that, but it was absolutely dreadful yeah. in terms of a protest. Because if they did that thing that they sometimes do in police stations where they go, well, I'm sorry, it's the weekend, guys, so... Um, we won't be able to you know, process you properly until Monday and just keep them there all weekend in well, the cell. Well, that's that's one way of it. I mean, I'm, I'm wondering how many there are now. Are they all in the same police station? Well, I mean, one of the reasons apparently why they haven't been arrested too much before is because you can't arrest all of them because there's not enough room in enough police uh, cells. But, I mean, we've got the Nightingale Hospitals free now, so I, I suggest we use those, just chain them all to the radiators in there. Well, that's, that's a good and point. And turn them up high <laughs> because, of course, they're against that. Well, we, very good point, very yeah. good point. Now, my, my biggest concern about this is how long is this going to go on for mm. now? So we had HSBC yesterday. Yeah. We've had Lloyds of London today. Is this now the, the financial industry just living in fear? Yeah. Well, I can tell you, heads up, it's always at 7 a.m. So mm. if you've got any concerns, put your security guard out at 7 a.m. in the morning. Mm. But are they just going to go around all of London attacking every oh, yeah. banking and insurance firm that there is? Mm. Is this all they're going to do now? Well, because that's all they can do, really, because now they don't have to lobby anybody anymore. The idea that we're not paying any attention to the climate crisis after Joe Biden has just had a massive summit yesterday with the world leaders of 40 countries who are all telling us that they're going to make us eat less fish, less meat, don't fly anywhere, don't drive anywhere, get a bike. I mean, you know, what, what, the extension really might as well retire. Well, you've got to remember, Mike, it doesn't go far enough. No, of course It not. never goes far enough. No. Well, we're going to talk to Dale Vince now, a good friend of the show, a man that runs um, an eco-friendly electricity company called Ecotricity. Ricky, thank you very much indeed. Dale, a very good morning to you. Yeah, morning, Mike. How are you doing? Very well indeed. Now, I mean, once again, the day, I'm afraid, has been kicked off by these Extinction Rebellion nutters, um, and I know you're not in favour of them, but are they just going to carry on being nuisances? Because it doesn't help you guys, does it? Well, no, I am in favour of them, actually. I thought you were against I... them. Now, what I said was a couple of weeks ago, I didn't think smashing windows was a good move. Yeah. I don't think that helps. Right. Get How about on dumping board. fake coal then? <laughs> that seems a harmless thing to me. Well, you know, they've driven into the te- they've driven into the city in a in a in a fossil fuel powered truck. Yeah, I mean that's a reality. We don't have electric trucks on the road at the moment. That's just the way it is. But we need to change that. Yeah, well, let's talk about what we need to do, because I think the trouble for a lot of people, we put out a poll yesterday to see whether people would eat less meat uh, or volunteer to eat less meat. And aside from the fact that it's an overwhelming no, and you would probably say, well, they would say that, wouldn't they? Because they're all talk radio listeners, but that would be wrong. Um, The point is that, you know, people don't like being told what to do, I think. And I think there's a bit too much of this. You know, we need to do this and we must do that. You know, I think people are fed up being instructed that they must do things. Yeah, I think it's an important point. People don't like being told what to do. Mind you, we've just had a year of being told what to do, haven't we, you know, through the pandemic. And maybe that's a factor as well. People just want to throw the shackles off and do whatever they want. I don't know. But at Forest Green, we've been through this experience entirely. And we don't tell people what to eat. We just put on great food and say, try it for yourselves. Yeah. And, you know, I think we've got to persuade people not not tell people what to do. Yeah, but that's fine, though, Dale, because that's what you run. And that's your company. And that's your business. And that's and people that come to your great football ground to watch uh, some great football occasionally I expect uh, when when certain other teams are visiting um, uh, you know there's 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 an absolute um, 
possibility that that will happen. It's in the same way if you turn up at Wembley, you know, they'll charge you 25 quid for a horrible um, sausage roll uh, and a pint of beer. But, you know, it's different when you're actually addressing the entire nation and when you're hearing... Julie Hartley Brewer had a climate guy on this morning who was talking about, you know, we must do this in order to save billions of lives. And, it's, you know, there's no real way of measuring that. And let's also remember that what we've been doing for the last year is following these sage scientists and their models. There's an awful lot of this stuff is modelling, isn't it? Yeah, but I think, uh, you know, the pandemic was something entirely new and, and you can expect it to take scientists a little while to to get it right in terms of predicting the path of it and how to protect from it and that kind of stuff. I think that's different. We've been tracking the climate crisis probably for 30 years or something like that. And the climate models uh, that are being produced now are very accurate. And, you know, the billions of lives that are at risk, that's global. If we change the environment of this planet and we make it unhospitable, that's a real problem and it's not quickly reversible. That's what they're referring to. And actually, eating animals is one of the root causes of this. It's an incredible industry. You know, a billion animals a year just in Britain are raised and killed for food. And it's a choice we don't need to make. I mean, that's what's driving the climate crisis. But the other thing that's driving the climate crisis is the population growth. And there's a bit of a disconnect and a disconnect, I think, between some climate activists who say, you know, we need to save billions of lives. But what they don't address is the fact that the populations of certain parts of the world are rising so fast in India and in China you know, that they are really causing big problems, not just for themselves and the country that they live in, but for the rest of the world because of the demand that they will have and that they will need to have for food. Yeah, I mean, a couple of things I would say. The population of the world is about 8 billion, and uh, it's it's actually going to flatten out, it looks now, rather than take off. But we kill 80 billion animals per year. I mean, how do, you know the, the pop- and, and- how do you know the world population is going to flatten out? But this is this is some of the I was going to come to that, Mike. Uh, and in terms of fish, it's over a trillion fish taken out of the sea to eat every year. So, you know, it, it's, it's like way bigger than our population, the amount of, of fish and animals that we're eating. And um, recent study has shown that, that as a species, we could be infertile by 2045 because the rates of fertility amongst men and women are plummeting. And that is Where? caused by pollution. Where caused by pollution. We're everywhere, just everywhere, Mike. Well, how come uh, population? Some, some, some well, hang con- on. You can't have a population that's growing if people are becoming more infertile, surely? I mean, that doesn't make sense. There are some populations in some parts of the world growing faster than others. There are other places like Japan where actually it's in decline. In Britain, it's kind of flattening out. So, you know, there's a, there's a mixed bag here. But fertility rates globally are plummeting. And, and that's a real threat to our survival as a species. Ironically, it's caused by pollution, which is, you know, one of the factors of the climate crisis. Yes, but I mean, the point again, Dale, is how do you get from point A to point B? And I think the problem is when people say, for example, that the Earth could become extinct, as Extinction Rebellion have said, and that the human race could become extinct uh, in 10 years from now, you know that that is simply and utterly untrue and nobody's buying it. So therefore, nobody believes anything else they say. And that's the problem. Well, I haven't heard them say in 10 years from now we'll be extinct. Well, the guy that runs Extinction Rebellion, the guy that, you know, the guy that used to be a heroin addict, he is the guy that tells us that. Okay. Well, I mean, I I don't buy that either, because uh, 10 years from now, we won't be extinct, but we could be beginning to face the very worst effects of the climate crisis. And and that will take a few decades to completely bite us. But once once it has, it's going to be unshiftable, irreversible. You know, it won't be like this pandemic where we can socially isolate, create a vaccine or anything like that. It's an irreversible, fundamental change to the planet we live on. Well, let me tell you a couple of statistics. It's not coming in 10 years. Well, let me give you a statistic. You'll like this one, right? In 1931, 3.7 million people died from natural disasters. Do you know how many died from natural disasters in 2018? No. 11,000. That's quite a reduction. And that's during a period when the global population quadrupled, right? So we recovered from 1931 and all those millions of people that died in natural disasters. We live now in one of the most technologically advanced states that we've ever been in. People have talked about Bangladesh becoming a land underwater, below sea level, right? Holland is below sea level, but they've managed to live in it because of the way that they manage it, right? Now, we have got the the capability, the technological capability, to make it perfectly possible for people to continue to live in Bangladesh without drowning. Yeah, I mean, it's not just about the rising uh, sea level, is it? I mean, yeah, we can engineer our way out of some of that. Islands in the South Pacific, no, they can't. Uh, that you know, they're they're already. Uh they're beyond hope for that but look it's not just about rising water it's about rising temperatures parts of our planet big parts of our planet will be uninhabitable by humans they'll be simply too hot even in the night time for our biology for us to keep ourselves cool enough to stay alive 
Yeah, but, you know, in, in hot countries, people have air conditioning. You know, it's very hot in America. It's very hot in the Middle East. It's very hot in India. One of the reasons why, for example, that there's a problem with uh, Freon going into the atmosphere is because more and more people in India can now afford air conditioning because they've got more money and they've got a bigger middle class than they've ever had. And if you live in a place where it's 45 degrees in the summer, you need an air-conditioned apartment. You don't want to move away, do you? You don't want to live in a cave. If we try to fight the climate crisis with air conditioning, we'll just make it worse. Why? There's uh, been air conditioning. Say, there's been air conditioning in the in the world, Dale, for for as long as certainly you and I have been alive. But not at the scale that we do things in the world today. I mean, you know, the problem is our, our machines today are so big as a species. We're geoengineering the the world, you know. And and if billions of us have air conditioning, that will be unprecedented. And as you say, there's freon in the atmosphere because of it. Don't forget the energy consumption that's going to come from that. I mean, we we can't we can't air condition our way out of this crisis. We have to avoid it. Not not deal with the symptom. Deal with the root cause. Yeah, but we can't also electric car our way out of the crisis either, because you and I at least would agree, presumably, on the mining uh, of the of the stuff that has to go into batteries that power electric cars is a pretty disgraceful business. And the way that it's done currently in in parts of Africa is not something that we would want to see increasing. But let me give you some more figures. Right, these are from the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization, forecasting that crop yields will increase thirty percent. By 2050, in the poorest parts of the world, like sub-Saharan Africa, are expected to see increases of 80 to 90 percent. Now, that means that there's going to be more food available for more people, right? We already have enough food available. I mean, uh, you well, know, apparently there's famines in the world. Well, there's famines in the world, yeah. Dale. You can't say people don't yeah, starve. Yeah. And also, Labour Party is no. always telling no, us no, that yeah. we've, got, we've got food banks here because people are starving. But I didn't finish my sentence, Mike. I was going to say people don't starve because there's not enough food grown in the world. That's not what's happening. It's our economic system that means some people are obese and some people starve. Mm. But we make enough food to feed all of us. Right. So what's your answer for that, then? The fat people don't eat so much and the thin people eat more? <laughs> no, <laughs> nothing, nothing quite simplistic. <laughs> well, what's wrong with being simplistic? You know, people are always accusing me of being simplistic. Surely that's the way forward. We've complicated our lives to such an extent, Dale, that you would like to see a simpler way of life, wouldn't you? Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm with you there. I don't I don't see simplistic as a problem necessarily, not per se. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, a lot of what I do is try to simplify what otherwise looks like a complicated, dry or boring message around the environment. Yeah. Listen, the reason we like to get you on, Dale, is because you're one of the more sensible voices on this. And you're a realist. You run a business. You run several businesses very successfully. And so you're a man worth listening to. But an awful lot of these climate activists are literally pie in the sky crypto anarchists who want to see the destruction of all Western ideology. And they want us all walking around uh, and cycling at best and not going anywhere. I mean, this guy with Julia this morning was saying nobody should have a car in the city. You know, it's just frankly ridiculous. How does he think people are going to deliver stuff? And don't tell me it can all be done on a bike. Or an electric bike. Yeah. I it can't know. be. But look. <laughs> no. I mean, I mean Extinction, I Rebellion, Extinction Rebellion couldn't have brought their fake coal on a bike, could they? No. Well, they could have done. It would have took a lot of bikes. Yeah, here's one actually. piece of coal. There you go. It's yeah, not much of a yeah, protest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, we have to we have to make changes. We have to make sensible changes. And there's no point being extremist. And I don't think from from my perspective, there's any point being anti-capitalist. I think capitalism got us to where we are today, good and bad. Yeah, but it certainly is driving the climate crisis. But we can harness capitalism to get out of it. You know, we just have to green up business and the ideals of business, point them towards uh, a better way of doing things without burning fossil fuels, without farming animals. And we can solve all of our problems, not just the climate crisis, the human health crisis, the extinction of wildlife, habitat loss everything it's all man-made and it's all from burning fossil fuels and farming animals yeah but like everything else and we have discovered this during the pandemic a lot of what we do is about choice and personal choice and a lot of capitalism and a lot of capitalist societies are based on personal choice and i for one would prefer to keep as much personal choice as possible now if you're going to say to me well one of the reasons we want to talk about this is to try and persuade people that's fine but i don't want people saying we must do this and we need to do that and obviously we have to eat less meat and we have to you I mean you know i talked about the fishing situation the other week um you know and i'm with you that what's going on in the, in the seas is horrendous but we're not having to put anything into the sea to feed the fish in order to farm them however we are having to feed the farm animals um with growth of, of, of crops that we have to grow in order to feed them if you see what i mean but i think if people are being persuaded rather than told you might have more chance of success Definitely, we have to persuade people. I would just say also, Mike, that we live in a, in a world of rules. We, we, we 
do live in a free country and we do have choice, but those choices are limited by rules. We can't go around murdering people, for example, because well, you can, that's actually. bad for that's, well, you, you can, can, but it's against the law. Yeah. And it's you can, it's against the law, and it's because it's bad for other people. So some of the choices that we're making today are bad for other people. They're bad for future generations. They're bad for people yeah, but, in different parts of the world. And it's about responsibility. And uh, that's that. That's true. But it's not about a law. I mean, you can't surely be saying to me that you're equating murdering somebody uh, with eating a hamburger. Well, it's not that, the same choice. It's not the, it's not the same choice, is it? I think it is. To me, it is. It's bad news for I mean, Burger I, King. <laughs> yeah, you know, turned up and said, do you fancy a, a double cheeseburger? No, I thought I'd just murder you instead. <laughs> Yeah, no, but I, it's about that and it's about rights and responsibilities. We do live in a free country, but we do have responsibilities to other people, people around us. And sometimes the choices we make are bad for other people. Yes, but that's not for you to say, Vince. You know, just because you're a very wealthy man uh, and you think that you can tell everybody what to do because you're used to running a company and pushing everybody around. You can't tell me what to do because you have no rights over me and I have the right to no. say no to you. No, I'm not telling you anything. I'm not telling anybody what to do, and I don't push people around. But what I'm saying is we, have, we have responsibilities, we have rules, <laughs> we have laws. And, and actually, our society has evolved, actually, to, to be more, uh, you know, to, to, take, to take care of people better. You know, we, we have new laws all of the time to, to control what we do, to make sure that we don't do harm to other people, mm. for example. That's an evolution of our society. And I think what we're facing now is a, is a further evolution so that we take care of the environment and the climate and, and in doing that, other people as well. OK, well, listen, Dale, you've been kind enough to send me a care package of vegan products that you're behind um, making and manufacturing and selling. Uh, so I'm going to break your promise. I'm going to try them out this weekend. Um, nice. I'm not quite sure about the beer, though, because uh, that's just regular Japanese <laughs> beer, isn't it? Is that vegan beer? Yeah, it's vegan beer. Yeah, because, okay. you know, some beer has like fl uh, fish bladder in it, which is a Does shocking it? thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. like all the things yeah. that we discovered during the CJD crisis that had bovine spinal tissue in, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. not very pleasant. Yeah. And listen, I'm with you on that. You know, I, I would like to see more organic food being produced. I'm not in favour of mass farming. I'm not in favour of the the the, 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 the 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 horrible treatment of animals and the, and the mass slaughter of them. But let's try and find some kind of middle ground rather than telling people you can't eat that, you can't eat that, you've got to eat this over here. Yeah, I think we need a transition as well. So I'm, I'm happy to start with uh, aiming for a middle ground with you, Mike. Grand. Fantastic. Dale, good to talk to you as ever. Dale Vince there, green entrepreneur, founder of Ecotricity, uh, the world's first green electricity supplier. So the question is this. Would you eat less meat to support Boris Johnson's crusade to save the earth? So far, 89% of people say no. 11% of people say yes. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Got some great stuff coming up on the show today. Lewis McLeod is going to be in the building. Uh, he's coming in to talk us through probably his version uh, of that climate summit from yesterday with Boris Johnson uh, and, of course, talking about uh, hugging bunnies and, uh, of course, Joe Biden as well. But the big political story still seems to be on the front pages of the papers this morning. Uh, the texting story, the leaking texting story. Uh, Dominic Cummings accused of leaking number 10 texts, it says on the front page of the Daily Telegraph. Downing Street sources claim the former chief advisor released the Prime Minister's messages out of spite. They reckon, right, that Dominic Cummings is so upset that the government's doing so well uh, that he's now decided to start and take it apart. Well, first of all, um, that's obviously a Tory myth, isn't it? Because the government's not doing that well. Yes, they're doing well in some areas, but not doing terribly well in all areas. And here's my theory. My theory is that Dominic Cummings is now still, and always will be, very much on the side of Boris Johnson. This narrative that they fell out is probably rubbish. The narrative that he would now work against him is probably also rubbish. It's more than likely that Dominic Cummings has come up with a great idea, which is to blame himself for getting uh, these texts out into the general public and giving them to the Labour Party. That way he uh, takes the flack away from Boris Johnson, who's been accused of all sorts of jiggery-pokery. And also, uh, it makes Dominic Cummings still look important. Now, that, for me, plays into Dominic Cummings' playbook, right, left and centre. Let's talk to Nick Dubois, former Conservative MP, author of Confessions of a Recovering MP, talk a radio host, of course, from five till seven on Saturdays. Nick, a very good morning. Uh, good morning to you, Mike. You've just uh, postulated the dead cat theory. Yes. Known <laughs> when things are bad, you make you distract everyone by slapping something mm. the equivalent of a dead cat onto the table, and everyone talks about that. And frankly, if you think about it, um, Dominic Cummings is not going to be invited back to government. No sane prime minister would do that, given his standing in the public's eye. Right. And clearly, 
he's a disruptor that is not suited to prime minister's tastes, even though they might like to think so. You know, why why is this even really a story? Well, I, I don't see the hand of Cummings here. Mm. I don't see, I see the hand of number 10, who think that this is a pretty good idea to deflect attention away from the issue of why is the prime minister conducting policy on his WhatsApp phone away from civil servants? Mm. Well, interesting uh, question that as well, because one of the things that I thought about this morning was surely if it was Dominic Cummings and he was using privileged access to, to leak what you might regard as pretty private information from the Prime Minister's office. Isn't that a breach of some kind of confidentiality, at least, if not possibly a breach of the Official Secrets Act or something? Well, I, I heard you say this this morning and it got me thinking, and the candid answer is I'm not really too sure. Mm. But it did get me to thinking about the claim that um, Dominic Cummings has somehow got hold of these um, WhatsApp messages that came in from Dyson. And you can kind of picture this, that, that he and the PM are sitting on the sofa in the PM's office on the ground floor uh, of, of number 10. And what does he do? Does he does he say, here, can I just borrow your phone, PM? I want to I wanna screen grab these because one day I'll need them in the future. <laughs> it, just, it just doesn't really stack up, does it? So I can't answer your question uh, candidly, Mike, whether he's breaking the Official Secrets Act, but I'm curious as to how he might have got them, unless mm. there's a third man well, in there who thinks it's a really good idea to get hold of these things and send them to Dominic Cummings. I mean, we really are in the world of bloody la-la. Well, this here, is it. I mean, the, the great thing about working in Downing Street is that so many people have now worked in Downing Street, that there are so many networks going on from people who used to work there, who still know people who do work there, who now know people who've gone back to work there after they left, you know, and it's a sort of merry-go-round of madness, isn't it? And so I dare say there is a kind of inner sanctum and there are WhatsApp groups, no doubt. I mean, none of my WhatsApp groups have got very much interesting on them at all, I'm afraid to say. Oh. But, but um, you know, I, I just find it all a bit sort of ridiculous. And certainly yesterday, uh, or rather Wednesday, PMQs, there was no glove laid really on Boris no. by Keir Starmer once again because he was trying to criticise a businessman who was asking whether his employees would be able to not have to pay tax twice in two separate countries while he was doing a great service to the nation. Well, and this is it. And the sort of garden Easter element of mm. conveniently forgetting the fact here, this wasn't Dyson saying, you know, I want to protect my tax no. interests. He's saying, my employees are here. We're ready to turn our engineering and design skills to try and help here in a national crisis. By the way, can you stop them if they come back from having to pay effectively a double taxation hit on them? What is wrong with that? It was all hands to the pump. And right. these, these critics at the moment, including the rather hapless Keir Starmer are clutching at straws if they think the public, think the Prime Minister was uh, not correct in trying to use whatever influence he had to get people working on life-saving ventilators at the time. Yeah. Mike, there's also something else here which I think has been a little bit lost in the debate about whether the PM is using WhatsApp or whoever to speak to whoever he wishes to do so, is that the civil service, the private office, hate the idea idea that a prime minister could possibly be out of their control and and has the temerity to speak to people without their approval mm. or their oversight now whether you think it's good government or not um that's another matter but this is the the the, the civil service have a lot to gain by this scandal at the moment mm. because they believe it means he will have to give up his phone give up his ability to talk to people, uh, whoever they may be, and uh, and control control the, the office once more. And that is what happens. I've sat in those offices and I've seen what happens. Theresa May never went near. She was, shall we say, um, shall we say she was uh, internet um, non-compliant. <laughs> so she, she might answer a text message, right. uh, but she would never instigate such a thing and she would never have those conversations. And guess what? Those civil servants loved it. They, yes. they were running the country, weren't they? We well, saw I bet. That all too and also, we, we've also seen, have we not, from the Home Office and some of the stuff that was going on around Pretty Patel um, and that uh, guy, the high-level guy that was fired, basically, uh, who then claimed he was bullied out of the job. I mean, we, we saw how much leaking was coming from his department when he wanted it to be done. And so, I mean, if I was if I was to make a, an honest judgment on this one, uh, if it wasn't Boris himself that, that, that let it get out, um, it was probably the civil servants.
Well, it's not an unreasonable leap to make, is it? I, I mean, look, generally what happens um, is that the PM will, uh, most MPs will have the Prime Minister's number and uh, they, they will communicate with him on a regular basis. And frankly, the civil service don't really even like that, you know. Mm. Uh, in fact, it's one of the reasons, and I know I'm detracting here, but it's one of the reasons why the lobby in the House of Commons, which is where you go to vote, is where they do not like prime ministers or ministers to go, the civil servants, even though they have to vote. Why? Because there's no officials around them protecting them. Mm. You can nobble a prime minister, you can nobble a minister, and there's no one there to sort of steer you away. Um, and, and, and that principle kind of governs what they do. Mm. So, so the prime minister, I think, to his credit, has kept his phone number uh, and, and he's keeping his contact way beyond the Westminster bubble. Good for him, I say. And also, are we supposed to believe that that's the only phone he's got? You know, that all these people who have supposedly got his number from when he was a journalist and when he was mayor of London and all of that. I mean, we're not seriously meant to believe that Boris Johnson has only got one phone and that's the only phone that he uses and it's not secure, surely? Well, um, I can't really answer that, but I, I think I might be at, for once at odds with you there. I think that probably is his phone. <laughs> Why do I know that? Because I've still got his number and I, I'm sure... I'm do you sure mind just texting him now to see if he answers and say, look, I've got some uh, some business I want to conduct with you, Boris. You know, Can you meet me uh, You know, three, part, three parts down Victoria Station? <laughs> Um, maybe I should send him a text and try and get him on the show tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely, you should. Yeah, let's let's talk about tomorrow. Uh, you're on from five o'clock. What are you uh, What are you going to be looking at? Well, Mike, I, I it kind of got lost in the uh, the news this week, but uh, I don't know about you. But do you remember? It was only a few days ago the Prime Minister was telling us that all the scientists are warning that we are going to get another wave of mm. coronavirus uh, and we have to be prepared for that. Uh, and it is inevitable that it's going to happen. And, and essentially, I'm saying, you know, should we be frightened of another wave? The evidence is mounting in that even if our infections arise, even if we see an increase in infections, we're winning the vaccine war. We are actually defying the sort of uh, natural pattern of, of deaths and mm. serious illness. Of course, some people are dying. But the way these warnings are coming out, that they are all say to me that actually don't get over optimistic that on July, uh, June, the, uh, June the 21st, we're all going to be relaxing our social distancing and going back to normal. I don't like what's happening and I don't like really this idea that we are going to have to live in fear of a fourth wave or a third wave. I've lost count how many waves there are. And, and therefore we have to give up some of our freedoms. Now, the reality is we are winning as all the data is showing. We are breaking that link with deaths. We are breaking that link with serious infections. There is good news after good news after good news. So why is it that we're getting these doom and gloom warnings on the same day, Mike, that um, insolvency practice has reported there are 93,000 businesses at risk mm. of going under. They are in distress. There are another 723,000 businesses out there facing huge hits to profit and, uh, and have got their problems, and yet they can't plan with confidence because we've been told to warn for another wave. I know, it's madness. And when you see, for example, that we are no longer officially in a pandemic, when you see countries like Germany declaring Britain to be basically COVID safe, when you see Spain and Greece saying, we want you guys to come and holiday here because you're in such a safe country now when it comes to the number of COVID outbreaks, that actually it's only our own government advised by these sage maniacs who are kind of reticent about opening everything up and saying well let's go yeah and i think the only other alarming thing about it is frankly there's a huge chunk of the public that seem quite content to go along with this and it defies logic and i think therefore we're going to try and bring some we're going to take you have total ownership my of common sense during the week well yeah. i'm going to borrow that ownership Excellent. between five and seven tomorrow and saturday and start to challenge some of these assumptions and try and get behind uh, why it is that we don't have the confidence to, to make sure that the victory of the vaccine rollout can actually be translated in saving people's jobs, livelihoods, and getting us back some of the freedoms I think we deserve and need. Yes, I seem to remember, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, I might have been a Clinton um, slogan, it's about time, I think was their slogan. And I think it's about time is a pretty good slogan for us to use, Nick. So we, you and I should, uh, should unite on this and go forward with the message, it's about time, let's get on with it. 
it's about time. It's about time we went to the pub as well. It's about time we did all these things, isn't it? It is. About time we went on holiday too. Nick Dubois. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. It is Friday, so the Perrier Awards are back because we haven't done them for about three weeks for one reason or another. Yorkshire's finest, Izzy Rowland, is going to be here. But I'm delighted to say uh, for the first guest I think we've had this year... Really? Lewis McLeod, you're in wow. the studio. Hey, mate. Welcome. I know. Thank well, you no, for having me on. I think when it all got locked down in January, I don't. I literally don't think we've had anybody in here. Wow. I mean, we've had sort of people who work here, obviously, but I mean, you're the first person from the outside. I'm not breaking any rules, am I, Mike? I should be <laughs> wearing my mask. We're, we're easily two metres. If somebody wants to come in with a tape measure. Yeah, yeah, I would say two metres. Yeah, yeah. Easily, no problem at all. Now, we've got to start off with Prime Minister's questions because um, <laughs> Ian Blackford yesterday, uh, Wednesday. I was a belter. I mean, I didn't even know he had a dog, but of course, even his dog doesn't like him, does he? I know, it's crazy. I'm trying to do it. Yes, well, Mr. Squeaker. <laughs> I mean, that dog was... The, was the, <laughs> that dog is famous. It was in the omen. When Gregory Peck was scrambling through that grave, that was the, there was a whole pack of them. I was very lucky; my grandparents handed them down. But yeah, I mean, he did. He looked quite nervous. I was wondering if the dog was actually at the window, you know, trying to get in from the outside, <laughs> and it was some rabid dog. I know, it you was know, Ganga, or maybe easy. a unionist dog, even to try and stop uh, independence. Uh, possibly sent up by by Boris. Which yeah. I thought his response was great. I, I I thought the dog may, made more sense. <laughs> And uh, the right honourable gentleman. He absolutely did. He wouldn't have been Carrie, uh, Carrie's dog, though, because that dog's quite small. It's like right. a very, it's like a little terrier. It's a kitten you know? thing. I've got a kitten, so I'm very wary of that because I'm wearing a boot. I, I can see chair. that. Yeah. yeah. What did the kitten trip you up? <laughs> no, but you've got to watch for there's one roaming about. Yeah. And dead at night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I used to have a cat. He used to jump on, on me in the middle of the night. In fact, my sister right. has, has always had a cat. And I came down one, one day from her uh, upstairs bedroom where I was staying and it had thrown up in my shoe. And which I thought was about the worst thing you could ever find in your shoe. Oh, cat sick. Oh, well, f- this is true. I, I know that I spoke a few weeks ago about this because it was, you know, the cat. We had to get our eldest. Of the, we've got two. And my niece is over and she's brought her cat over. Right. And she says, Wah! it's a madhouse. I was right. glad to leave. But yeah. anyway, um, the eldest cat had to have the thing that got dressed because mm. it was spraying everywhere. Right. But I actually, when I went to get the case packed, the overnight right. case, I went and opened it four o'clock this morning opened the case up pff, smell a pish oh. so I've had to use my backpack so I had to leave the case I thought why would I can't I mean it's just you're not going to take me to London so I have that right that's nice isn't it yeah and also it's just to prove they don't care whether you come back or not <laughs> no exactly that's, that's what they think of you so you travelled to d- today I travelled you travelled through time and space <laughs> Mike it was amazing we took off and everybody was very civil. Really? And yeah. were there lots of masks being worn in the airport? Yes, there was. Uh, and it was fairly swift, although not a full flight, I have mm. to say. I mean, I don't know if that's intentional. They're right. not the amount of seats sold. I but, don't know. Um, it's ve- I mean, the tube's pretty busy now. I came into the tube this yeah, morning was, in preparation for our afternoon's um, libations uh, so that I could go home on public transport, as I always do, with great responsibility. But um, there's loads of people on the tube. Yeah, and they're all measuring. You can see it in their face. They're all doing that. Is that two metres? I don't know. Is that yeah. two metres? Oh, it's a metre and a half, I think. Yeah. I know. But you know, Jeremy Vine, he's still going to work on his bike. Well, that's where you are. And then you're in the fast lane. There's nobody there in the slipstream of vehicular traffic. That's their new single, And Out My Way. (laughs) A nice link to a piece of music. What about Joe Biden's summit yesterday? Did you watch that? Well, I watched a little, yeah. I saw some highlights of it. We're going to Glasgow. Everyone again knows where it is. It's like Glasgow. I don't think he does know. He oh. thinks he's going to New Key as well at some point. Well, it's two di- weather and climate are two different things. Weather is, you know, things like temperature, and yeah. climate is what your fitness instructor shouts at the bottom of a rope. <laughs> yeah, we're going to Glasgow. Yeah, you're going to fly in to do a summit in a place where uh, it's quite cold, and you're going to mm. warm, uh, tell everybody about the global warming problem, and also you're going to be flying in and telling everybody not to fly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We know weather. Come to Scotland. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it was different in the old days, wasn't it, when Donald Trump used to visit? Well, that's it. I used to come over and, you know, I was like a blur. I came in on the high altitude and the stratosphere, drop down, parachute and get a couple of holes in and then go back, you know. And now in Florida, the weather, even the weather here today, happy St. George's Day. Thank you very much. It looks much. beautiful. You know, and back home, I'm having strawberries and cream. Mm, They're the two best strippers working in Florida (laughs) right now. You don't see many St. George's flags in Glasgow, do you? No, you don't, and you should. I mean, he's a patron saint. It's uh, you know, it's a happy thing. Yeah. uh, You know, and I'm looking forward to your. You're you're the patron saint today, as we're going to the 
the Boozer. We are going to the Boozer for some uh, libation later. What about um, the election up in Scotland, of course? Mm. You've got Alex Salmon still in That's uh, right. with a chance. Yes. I understand you were doing some stuff with her. Well, I, I went on. I brought uh, my friend Donald over. And he's, the thing is with Alex, he's actually got some really quite fasc fascinating and funny stories, yeah. anecdotally. Yes. Uh, so I did a 20-minute routine on Zoom <laughs> from my house. Because this company, Alex Rouse, who make wigs, left me, I've said, have the wig for a year. Yes. Should anything oh, so happen. So you've got a new wig. So I got this Donald Trump wig, yeah. which is like five grand's worth. Is this it? Beautiful wig. Right. So I, I think I, that's more than his is worth. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alec is certainly one worth, I think. I think, could they help me out there? But uh, yeah, and then on the Sunday night, uh, Gigi Galloway ah. invited me on to talk about things. Is it the mother of all talk shows? He's the got, mother, that's right, the mother of all talk shows. <laughs> and on the program, he just shouts louder yes. and louder. He does, and um, but you made a big impression. I saw his tweet. <laughs> I see what he did there. Well, he, he kind of he, he sort of gave me a, a rod from on back because when you introduce somebody, it's very funny. You kind of got to live up to that. And it yeah. was, I don't know if I really did make him laugh or he was just doing that. <laughs> right, next guest. <laughs> Let's talk about real matters. Yes, but he is an amazing character, isn't he? Oh, he's great for mimicry. That's what I said to him. I said, there's just not enough people like you in no. politics. And then went on to Nigel. But Lewis, he's chucked it. <laughs> I, was like, I know, but, the, but the that's the is... trouble. I mean, guys like yourself, I mean, if Trump's sort of off the world stage at the moment, yeah. Nigel Farage has also kind of taken a step back from the political side of things. And yeah. he's, he's now doing other projects and all of that. But you still want to do the voices, don't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, because... They, I mean, they, I, I, I try to invite Nigel down the pub. I'm not sure if he's around. Well, <laughs> that'd be absolutely fantastic. I mean, you know my views on that. And coming, really, I mean, the pubs will soon be open at 10.30. I mean, yeah. An extra three hours in the pub. That's almost as long as the European new Super League lasted, you know. I mean, it's amazing. It's happy days. It's 18 degrees. The sun is shining. Mike Graham's on the air. What more do you want? What more do you want? Do you do any football? Uh, football? You don't do Gary Neville or anything like that? Because he was, uh, oh, he you know, was the man. brilliant. Well, he was brilliant. But except he seems to have forgotten the fact that he's been paid an awful lot of money by the Glazers uh, since they came in to be the runners and owners of Manchester United, uh, who he now wants to kick out because he's not uh, there anymore I see well see you got me there because I don't really follow the ins and outs of the game specifically do you not even yeah. do Neil Lennon Neil Lennon well we I used to do Neil Lennon on Off the Ball as we just did him like that we always had the <laughs> Nolan sisters I'm in the mood for dancing playing hi there and it was just I, and he would come up to you and say I don't sound like that I said, no. no you don't sound it's like that it's quite medicine Neil oh, yeah. Lennon I mean I've met Neil in your, brother's, right. in your brother's club and my brother's friends with mine he's, good, he's yeah. actually a good laugh no, he's a good laugh but mm. I mean he's got that Belfast thing where you kind mm. of go just be careful. Just, you know, yeah. just be very careful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that because of the caricature I've done of him. Just you be careful. It's like a sort of Irish Alan Carr. Uh, yes. Just you be careful. Not enough Alan Carr was in this morning. Oh, I think you he's hilarious. You know, Chris Evans asked me on his show yesterday, oh, right? really? But without any preparation, he suddenly, really? I was standing talking to him, right, having a cup of coffee. Uh -huh. We were shooting the breeze and it was about 10 to 10. So I got 10 minutes before my show starts. He oh. says, you, come on, come on to the show now. Oh, magic. So I went, it was great. I mean, it was very good. But I mean, you know, I had no idea what he was going to ask me about. Well, that, today doesn't, no, but that doesn't phase you at all. It doesn't, You could no. talk about anything. Well, I heard you on air saying, being, you laid down the gauntlet with you, you could talk about anything and, and win. Debate. Well, I mean, we do, we're do. we going to do that in the next hour. I'm going to have to make a case for something that I don't necessarily believe in. But that's okay. It's good practice. <laughs> it's good practice. It's like Boris Johnson, he writes two versions of everything. Yes. Why wouldn't you? Well, because you, you can. Yeah. There's always a side A and a side B. Yes. Bring um, back vinyl. Yeah. Oh. Well, he's not bringing back Dominic Cummings. I think Dominic Cummings, by the way, has yes. done this whole thing um, deliberately. He's making everybody think that he's got some control over this leaking because yes. he's bored. Because what's he doing? I mean, he yes. used to be at the heart of government. Now he's not doing anything else. He's not even invited up to Barnard Castle. I mean, I wonder. I don't think they're even doorstepping him anymore. He's that boring. <sighs> Do you remember they used to all be outside his house yes. all the time? Yes. And he would come out with his kids' uh, bikes That's put right. them in the back of the car yes. and tell them all to keep back. Yes. Keep it's back. A very short pathway. Very short. I mean, where does he park his bike? Well... I think we all know the answer to that one. <laughs> it's an old Billy Connolly joke. Well, there you go. <laughs> Out in the shed there. Maybe he wants that. Maybe he wants to be the next Billy Connolly. Now, I know that you're going to visit another past person in this building. And yes. this will only be very internally kind of funny. But why don't yes. you do him as well? Because uh, <laughs> he's the guy He's the guy that does all of our um, uh, imaging. And, and uh, he's probably listening now. So I'm working with Peter. <laughs> Peter G. Hello there. <laughs> Welcome to talk. Peter, you've been here for probably as long as anyone. At, I'm uh, as old group. as the concrete you walk on. You have. Almost as long as Alan Brazil's been here, I think. <laughs> 
you don't yes, do Brazil. Legend. No, sadly, I've got to practice, but I've yeah. known Peter a long time. Yes, a good man. He's a very good man. Well, listen, I'm looking forward to seeing you at the end of uh, the show. Thank you for uh, having I'm, me on, mate. Uh, not great. at all. It's great to see you. It's fantastic to have somebody, you know, in the studio instead of on bleeding Zoom. Yeah. Which is how we do everything else. More to this. I think. Yes, I think we'll do it more often. Lewis McLeod. Thank um, you. He will be uh, with us in spirit all the way through the rest of the show. Um, That's an amazing concept in itself. <laughs> if you look at the universe, do we have a spirit? <laughs> Mid morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. It's Friday and it's time for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards. There we go. I'd forgotten how much fun this was because for one reason or another, um, including Prince Philip's um, uh, sad demise, we haven't been able to do the Perry Awards for three weeks. It's, it's been a while, Mike. It has been a while. It has I been I hope a you've while. got enough then because, you know... I mean, we, we are chock-a-block, to be quite Good. honest. Now, and... I should introduce you to those of you who haven't had the pleasure. Uh, Izzy Rowland, Yorkshire's finest, <laughs> as we refer to her here in uh, uh, the Independent Republic. How are you? I'm, I'm well, thank you. You're looking very you? well. Oh, thank you. Good. Well, I'm, um, I'm wearing my mum's dress that she donated. That's so nice I... of her. Well, I met your mum last week. She seems a very nice woman. Oh, well, uh, <laughs> you don't know her as well as well, I do. Well, okay then, I'll take your word for it. But uh, she came down to the pub show, which yeah. was very nice. Oh, yes. And uh, we had a great time. Last Monday, that was. It mm. seems a, a, an age ago already. It, well, a week ago, Monday. Yes. No, it, honestly, like I, like I was just saying, it seems like the weeks at the minute just seem well, when, to be ages. Well, nearly at the end of April. You know, I seem to remember it was April Fool's not that long ago. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. And what, what so do you a do week from, April you know, Fools? So a week from now, I don't do April Fool's. <laughs> we don't do April Fool's stories. That's for numpties. Mm. Um... Uh, but a week from now, it will be about to be the 1st of May. Yeah, that's true. May Day. What do oh. we do for that? Oh, gosh. Well, I you can have Workers of the World Unite or something. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you better get on with it because you haven't right, got much I, time. Yes, I will get on with it. So, um, let me cast your mind back to a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Uh, when, um, you know, obviously when was the last time we had a chance to do this. So, hmm. following tradition, the first Perry Award goes to you, Mr Thank Graham, you. for the feud of the week. Imagine waking up first thing this morning, um, and I do what I always do, check Twitter to see if anything's going on, and there was a thread, and um, I saw that uh, one of the tweets I couldn't see, and I saw that Blackford was in the group, and I suddenly, I I clicked on uh, Blackford's name, and and there, sure enough, I was blocked (laughs) by Ian Blackford. Yes, Mr. Squeaker. <laughs> Mr. Squeaker, indeed. Yes. <laughs> so, um, we teleported over to Watford uh, to speak to our favourite BBC critic, Calvin Robinson. Now, technology isn't the most reliable. This is the Perry Award for the slip of the week. Millionaires like Gary Lineker, for example. Well, I mean, it beggars belief that they get so much money, billions and billions of, of pounds, in fact. Well, I think you've just lost your uh, beautiful background there for a second. If you're watching on that, the... As soon as you mentioned Gary Lineker, your, your laptop <laughs> fell over. Yeah. You know, um, you maybe get a, a bit of a stronger laptop. That's one of the great backgrounds, by the way. Mm. It was in his garden. It was, it was in his garden, That was yes. a visual period, It that, was, wasn't it? sorry, yes, I forgot, I forgot to, to say, say No, I've just Don't had worry. a whisper in my ear because we're fighting against the time. We so, are. Uh, <laughs> on you go. Time on waits go. for no man yes. or woman. Uh, so, uh, Talk Radio's traffic and travel gent, uh, Johnny Ratner, gave an update for the dear listener on the move. This is the Perry Award for the location of the week. Talk Radio. Traffic and travel. In Murray, the A98 is partly blocked by an accident north of the A96 near Fockabers, causing delay. <laughs> Where? I don't think I've been there, luckily. No, you don't even ask for directions to that place. Uh, excuse me, do you know where Fockabers is? Um, no. Apparently it's Russell Holding, by the way. That you got, they got the, you find, misidentified the traffic reporter. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, oh, Russell Holding. Oh, yeah. I've, I've been misinformed, yeah, my well, word. Yeah, well, you've been stitched up, haven't you, by the people behind the glass. Anyway, oh, next. Gosh. <laughs> Get on with it. This week, oh my goodness. Right, OK. Heading into this week, we're over to Ian Collins' yes. show. This is the Perry Award for the Mysterious Noise of the Week. The Department of Transport are like the three wise monkeys, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, so you're that there was a kind of a, a slight Star Wars moment there, Mark. Um, are you still there? there? Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. We just, I, I'm trying to think who you sounded like for a split second, but it was alien invasion territory. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, very good. Yeah, strange. Three mm. wise monkeys and then a funny noise. <laughs> there we go. 
would it, it does make you wonder what what kind of it does make you wonder. I wonder if you're going to be able to finish this in time. No, I don't I think I will be. <laughs> so, <laughs> every day, um, yourself and Ian Collins do a handover to pass the baton of broadcasting on. Mm. Yesterday was Earth Day, where people take stock of the planet and where they can, you know, assess what they can do to help. Mm. This award is for the miscommunication of the week. Were you talking about me then? Yes. Yeah, well, I don't get any of it. Look at this. It's I know. Yeah, St George's Day tomorrow. Tomorrow, Earth yeah. Day so today. Hush, Heath, it's your birthday. No, Earth Day. <laughs> oh, sorry, Earth Day. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you said it was his birthday, obviously. <laughs> well, no, I think we'd get a bit of an email sent round if we? it was, yes. Yeah, but I don't get any of those, so no, yeah, that's true. I, I missed out on that system. That's true. Okay, I think maybe, w- would should we just do one more, gang? Um, so at 12.30 daily, we have a William Hill feature where we work behind the scenes for a story on a topic and you argue the unpopular opinion in a bid to be the best debater of all time, which, mm. by the way, I think you're doing quite well Thank at. Thank you very much. So, this week we accidentally dropped the ball behind the glass and this award goes to none other than studio manager Mark Gale for (laughs) dropping the ball award of the week. But now it's time for the drop zone with William Hill. (laughs) The drop zone is exactly where we go every single time, every single day at this time, uh, where we pick up somebody who has dropped the ball. And I'm sorry to say, uh, it's, it's us today. No, no, it's not. No. Now, did you see how I did that? I didn't you blame did. anyone. You've no. now thrown poor old Mark under the I, bus. I, I said it's us. It's our fault. You see, it's a team game. If we mess up in the independent republic, no, that's I so take true. full responsibility. Unless well, it's really serious, in which case it's your fault. <laughs> no, I will take full. I will take part responsibility okay. uh, for the for the jingle that we missed. Okay, uh, this week we spoke to a caller who came in um, with a new name for Ed Miliband, who is the shadow secretary for business, state, and industrial strategy. This is the award for the nickname of the week. Will vote for Ed Mini Brains Car Climate Change Act, <laughs> which basically sees all their jobs and their yep. future completely exported right. eight thousand miles away. Well, my favourite, my favourite latest uh, uh, interjection from uh, Mr. Millipede, as you call him, uh, or whatever it is. He was calling him Billy Brains, which is one a new one on me. Yes, yeah. B- Billy Millip- Bra- Millipede's been around for a while. Oh, has it? Mm. Okay. Well, Millie Brains for sure. Millie Brains is good. I like it. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you for is your time. It? I know it's been quite rushed, but um, not at all. We'll, it's been uh, a pleasure. We'll reconvene, shall we? We should. I like. I liked it very much. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. There will be more next week. The Perrier Awards on Talk Radio. Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB, online, or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.